you know, with the Truth Network, where I work in Winston-Salem, obviously I, I come in con contact with hundreds of ministries and hundreds of churches, maybe thousands. This one is a unique opportunity to, to touch the face of God, to touch the hand of God in so many different ways. And when James calls me and asks me, can you come? I'm always like, oh yeah, because when, when I come, God's going to give me this like, oh my goodness. I was telling Tammy at breakfast this morning, I said, there is no way that I could share possibly if, if we went all day what God has given me for you guys, and I've actually been saving it because since I originally heard from James, and I was like, no, I'm not going to talk about it on my radio show. I'm not going to talk about it in the many speaking. I'm going to wait till I get to go to Peace Church to talk about this. And so I couldn't be more excited, you know, because it has everything to do with prayer. And from my perspective, Peace Church has everything to do with prayer. And you've heard me say before, most of you, that you know, I was a car salesman, pretty much a heathen. I met Tammy. She was like, you're going to church. I'm like, that's my day off. <laughs> but the very first sermon I heard was at a Presbyterian church in Greensboro, First Presbyterian, actually. And Dr. Redhead, who was a pastor emeritus, he stood up and he said something that's, well, he said a lot of things that day that stuck in my soul, but one of the very first things he said was, Robbie, he, he, he wasn't speaking to me individually, but I felt that he was, you got one mouth and two ears. Now, I want you to think of the math that's involved in that. Now, if you're a car salesman, <laughs> you know, you have a tendency to talk too much. and you, you, Yeah, right. And so the idea of prayer, he said, is you should listen twice as much as you talk. Which was like, that's fast. I, you know, I just never even thought about that. And he, he said lots of things about prayer that day. But it, it had a lot to really change my world from the standpoint of you could actually hear the voice of God. And not only that, you can hear it twice as much as you want to talk if you, if you really want to listen. And so, those kind of things have always been really, really attractive to me. And John Eldridge, who wrote Wild at Heart, you may know, is one of my mentors. I just think he's an amazing man. And he teaches um, that we should ask God at the year end for a word for the year to kind of give us an idea of where we're going this year. Where would you like to take me? What adventure would you like to take me on? So write, write down that you got this question and begin to pray, God, what's my word for the year? And I, I've done that for several years, and it's absolutely... A, and, and he said this about it, and I believe it's absolutely true. You will so, so fall so in love with that word by the end of the year. Put it on your computer, put it different places, put it in your prayer journal. By the end of the year, you won't want to give up that word. Because <laughs> you will have been on so many journeys with God on that word that you're just like, oh man, God, I can see clearly where, where we're going with that. Well, this word for me this year was Abide. So as you guys were singing, draw me nearer, <laughs> you know, you don't know. <laughs> I mean, you're tapping me right on the shoulder going, okay, Ravia, you know, draw me nearer. What does that mean to abide? How do we exactly do that? You know, it's been my challenge all year, and, 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 and it's been amazing to me how God has taken me on different journeys about this, and essentially today's 
word, which is the present of his presence, is the name of this. Um, actually came from a Kung Fu Panda movie. Um, <laughs> so I wouldn't want to cheat you guys of this experience. It seem, may seem a little new age to you, and believe me, we're going to go way, way deep into this concept. But first, sort of a ninja turtle has got to explain it so that we can get it kind of in our minds. So Bob, if you just kind of play Kung Fu Panda for us a minute. Master Tigress! Didn't mean to wake you, just, uh... You don't belong here. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. This is your room. I mean, you don't belong in the Jade Palace. You're a disgrace to Kung Fu, and if you have any respect for who we are and what we do, you will be gone by morning. Big fan! I see you have found a sacred peach tree of heavenly wisdom. Oh, is that what this is? I am so sorry. I thought it was just a regular peach tree. I understand. You eat when you are upset. Upset? I'm not upset. Why, why, why what makes you think I'm upset? So why are you upset? I probably sucked more today than anyone in the history of Kung Fu. In the history of China? In the history of sucking? Probably. And the five? Man, you should have seen them. They totally hate me. Totally. How's Shifu ever going to turn me into the Dragon Warrior? I mean, I'm not like the five. I've got no claws, no wings, no venom. Even Mantis has those... thingies. <sighs> Maybe I should just quit and go back to making noodles. Quit. Don't quit. Noodles. Don't noodles. You are too concerned with what was and what will be. There's a saying. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That is why it is called the present. Yeah, that, that just can get down in your soul somewhere. <laughs> Yesterday is history, right? Tomorrow is a mystery. That's where Adam and Eve found themselves. This passage is just like, oh my gosh, it just exploded off the page for me about three weeks ago. And... Um, so I wouldn't not share this with you. Uh, you. You're familiar with the story, I'm sure, that Adam and Eve have blown it. And, and um, in Genesis chapter 3, which we've all heard probably a thousand sermons on this, but the eyes of them were both opened and they knew that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves loin coverings. And they heard the sound of Adonai Elohim going to and fro in the garden. In the wind of the day, you probably heard that in the cool of the day. But notice what <clears throat> organ they're using to discover God. 
they heard God. And if you know a little Hebrew, you probably heard the word rach. Because that's the word for spirit. And so if you were to read that in Hebrew, you would read that they heard God in the harach, the spirit, in the wind. Of the day would be translated that way only because they don't know how to make the word time completely literate from Hebrew to English. But that doesn't mean the cool of the day. It means at this particular moment, sort of, of the spirit. So you could easily translate this if you wanted to, and I personally want to, so here I go. They heard God in their spirit at this moment. Now, Rashi, who happens to be like the big deal Hebrew commentator, kind of like the Matthew Henry of, of Hebrew commentators, says that it's a critical issue that they came, that this wind comes at the 10th hour of the, morning, of the day. And we'll get into why that may be more in a few minutes. But the idea is that we don't know when the fall was, but we do know when God showed up, and he showed up at the 10th hour. Which, I won't rob you of the joy of looking what all that means. But that's when he shows up to speak to these two shenanigans who have managed to blow the only rule <laughs> they had one, and you know, here they are. And then next comes the next verse, is kind of where we'll land for the rest of the morning. But believe me, we'll have enough scripture to go around it that you'll, like me, be adoring Christ, I'm sure, by the end of it. But the next verse is all we're going to. The man and the wife hid themselves from the presence. Just put a, if you got a highlight, you'd write in your Bible, just circle that one right there. Bingo, bingo. What did they hide from? His presence. Now, if, if you picture with me, and it's a little bit fascinating to do that, and Adam and Eve had never been out of the presence of God. They, they were never out of earshot of him. In other words, this, this, this is a new experience for them. And so they're, they're trying to hide, but from a standpoint of what we see here in Kung Fu Panda, if you think about this with me, for the first time in their lives, they're dealing with shame. And shame makes you go back to history, <laughs> right? <laughs> and worry, which is a mystery. <laughs> and see, what's happened is poor Adam and Eve have become, for the first time in their life, time travelers. Right? Because they've always been in present time. They were right there where they could pray, where they could commune with God. There was no history. There was no mystery. They were in God's present. It was a present. So God loves to flesh these things out for me on a very basic level. We'll call them the ABCs, or if you're Hebrew, the Aleph... Bet. <laughs> so when we look at this word presence, uh, to me, this is a phenomenal present to, to unravel for you all today, is to look at the word presence in Hebrew. So we're going to spend some time here 
on this. And if you would bring up, yeah, that slide, there we go. And, you know, I got this really cool, aha. Uh -huh. Now, Hebrew, you may know, you read backwards. So don't ask me to pronounce that, because I don't really, I'm not Hebrew, and I don't know how to, it's, it's probably penium, but call it what you want. The letters are where we're going. So this letter right here, which is, if you'll bring up the next slide, is the first letter of the word. Now, interestingly, <laughs> all letters in Hebrew, and the beautiful thing about the language is that they represent something very, they were word pictures. And they represent something very deep, and in all cases, they are touching God. Because in the beginning was the Word, and was the Word was God, and the Word was God. So every one of the Hebrew letters touches God in some way. And to study the Alpha, Aleph, is, is a beautiful meditation, just unbelievable. It's going to take you some places. I think you'll get a taste of that today. But the first letter is this pay, which clearly you see is a mouth. Now, each Hebrew letter also has a number associated with it, which is hugely significant. The more you unravel this one, the more you will connect dots in the Bible. You'll like go, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Well, the number associated with the letter pay is 80. And, and, and the idea of presence or that pain is actually means if you were to translate that it, you I would probably not say they ran from God's presence what I would actually say they ran from understanding this word at the level I do at this point they ran from God's face which is in Hebrew or to the Jews a curse because if you look at the number six blessing right <laughs> right where it says that, you know, blessed be the Lord, you know, that he would lift his face, his countenance upon us, his face, right? He would shine his face and be gracious. You know, it's all about the face, which is the face of God. So clearly, this word, this letter in Hebrew has everything to do with communication and it has to do with God's face, but most specifically his mouth. And so if you look at Psalm 80, now, you, you, you realize that the 119th Psalm, you can look at any letter and get a good idea of where the Jews are going with that letter, or you can research it all over the place. But the 80th Psalm, because this number is from the number 80, this letter, P-A-P-E-Y, is the 80. So you go to the 80th Psalm, and you will find there are 11 of these pays in that Psalm, and it talks all about God's face and how his face would shine upon us if we were blessed. And so what Adam and Eve had done, what they were doing, is they were trying to get away from God's mouth. They were trying to get out of his face. <laughs> you know what I mean? You hear that? People get in your face? Well, they didn't want God in their face. I mean, this is the deal. And, and, and so, you know, there's, there's all sorts of ways that that is implemented in Jewish thought that to be in God's presence is to be, you know, essentially looking at his face. And I think that we will all discover when we get to heaven, one of the first things we're going to die to see is Jesus' face. It's a huge deal. 
This letter has to do with God's presence in gigantic ways, but mostly it has to do with being able to hear from Him. It's, it's all about communication. So when you're in God's presence, and you're in the present, it, 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 you should be able to hear from Him. Why do you think in Bible study you come so alive? Because it's like His Word jumping right out at you. Or sometimes in prayer, or sometimes with another believer, all of a sudden you don't sense God's presence. Well, when you do, that's why you're hearing, you're hearing with those two organs you got. So the next letter is a nun. Now, this letter, you see how the head is kind of bent over like that? That's because this is a servant letter. And, and this is going to get really cool when you put all the letters together, but right now we'll just share with you that that's a servant letter. And this was the way the letter looked in the Hebrew that, that um, Moses himself wrote. If you were to find the oldest, oldest Hebrew, the letter looked like that right there, which is a seed that's been planted, and now it has germinated. The number that is associated with the letter Nun is 50. And this is beyond cool, because <laughs> you may know that the Feast of Pentecost is first fruits. Right? And it has to do with 49, 49 days after the Torah came down. In other words, when God gave the Torah, they count off 49 days and the 50th day, you know, whatever, there you go. It's that seed. You see, it was planted. The Holy Spirit came on what day? The, you see, the, the, it, this is a big deal. But in Hebrew, the word is also has to do with faith. Like, this first fruit is telling me that all sorts of stuff is going to happen as a result of this. So as we enter into God's presence, we have to believe we have to be his faithful servant. We've got to believe we're there. We've got to be showing up saying, man, this is going to be exciting. We're going to get to go with you today, God. And you will be planting seeds. And as you meditate on that picture later on, as we get through the rest of these letters, I think you'll agree with me. It's like, <laughs> like wow. God knew all this stuff. I mean, that, that Moses knew that? How did Moses knew that? He didn't have a microscope. Um, <laughs> so the, the next letter is a yud. A, a, and this letter, when Jesus said, I'm not going to get rid of one jot or tittle, well, that jot is a yud. It's a little bitty dot. And to the Jews, it's the little that means a lot. It's a... It's, even though it's the littlest letter, it is the most gigantic letter, and it has to do with philosophically that when you take an infinite God, your big God, Larry, that you were talking about, and he wants to make a house for himself, he has to take something that's huge and make it very small. You see the picture? And thus is the Yud. And the Yud is, is the hand of God, and you might note that you have... Ten fingers. <laughs> Guess what the number for the yud is? <laughs> it is ten. Right, and the number ten is a hugely significant number in the Old Testament, which I've heard it said, and I think this is very helpful. If you hadn't heard it before, I think this would be helpful to you, that the book of Genesis is essentially a table of contents for the Bible. 
<laughs> in other words, you know, these themes that we're going to begin to break out in Genesis are going to go throughout the Bible in order to get all the picture of salvation that's coming, which believe me, we're getting to salvation in a minute. You've you, you got to get these basic ABCs, so to speak. So, the Yud is the letter that starts the word Israel. When you hear that, you know, that, that sound, you know, Isaac's letter, his name started with a, and, and, right? And, and all those Jacobs, and they're all, they all started with Yud. And it's a beautiful little letter. It, if you look at an Aleph, which is the first letter in the alphabet, and by the way, all the letters of the Hebrew alphabet are made up with Yuds and Vavs. And so this little Yud is on the top of an Aleph, and then there's a Vav that goes diagonally, which actually represents the Torah, and then there's another Yud on the bottom that's going up. And so if you've ever seen the picture of, I think... Um, Leo, Michael Ancho painted it, of the man touching the finger of God. Well, what it is is that that's the finger of God coming down and the man of God coming up, and between it is the Torah, which is, the Jews don't know this, but I'll let them know a secret, it's Jesus. <laughs> so the, the, the Aleph, the beginning letter, right, is this like picture of the finger of God pointing down, the picture of a finger of God coming up, and then Jesus in the middle. I mean, Wow. Beautiful, unbelievable. So, the next letter, which we did save the best for last. This letter, I, I think I will meditate on this letter for eternity and never begin to understand it. It is everything to do with rain. <laughs> has everything to do with water. It is a mem. And just to show you guys how much Hebrew you already know, the word Christ in Hebrew you've probably heard is Messiah. Or if you're in Hebrew, you might have heard it said Mishiach. Well, it starts with a mem. And it starts, in, in this case, with an open mem. But this, is, this mem is actually, if there's a letter that says Jesus, this is the one. Because he, it stands for water, and Jesus was the living water. Okay? Now, Jesus told John, excuse me, he told Nicodemus when he was talking about getting born again, which has everything to do with water, that you have to be born of the water, and you have to be born of the Spirit, something I don't know if you've ever considered or thought about. What does that mean? I've got to be born of the water, and I've got to be born of the Spirit. Well, if you knew that this mem, which was the 40th letter, the, the number that represents 40 has to do with water, let me show you some really cool stuff about it. You see this, this picture of the mem that's in the word payim, the one we're doing in his presence. You see how it's closed? Because it's to illustrate a womb. And, and, and it's 40 because it takes 40 weeks for a baby to come. It has to do with being reborn in that water. The water that's inside of that is the stuff. Now, this picture, which is absolutely beyond cool, is a picture of Mary whose womb was closed because she was a virgin, and a picture of Elizabeth whose womb was open, right? And so you see 
<laughs> I mean, it's just like, oh, wow. It's like, oh, wow. Now, that closed mem to the Hebrews, what they think, and they're right, by the way, is that the reason that's closed is it's hiding the secrets of the Torah. That's the secrets of the Torah, which is apparently a secret they hadn't figured out yet. <laughs> uh, because, you see, if, if you start to put this picture together, it's like you will, you will just, I can't even begin to. This is the part that I really don't know if I can get through it all. But anyway, picture with me for a minute what happens at the beginning of Genesis. Right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. And then what happened? Right? The rach. Right. What did it do? It hovered. It hovered over the waters. Okay? How was Jesus conceived? <laughs> I mean, think about what, I, what the implications of that are. Right? You've got a closed womb. She's a virgin. And the Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters. So whenever you have the Holy Spirit touching water, you get living water. And, and Jesus told the woman at the well, right, that you would spring up into living water. And you may not know this, but the word I in Hebrew, they equate that with a fountain. So when you see a fountain, it'll say I, because your eyes have little baby fountains. So that when you're touched by the Spirit, there's water in you, all kinds of it. And when the Holy Spirit touches you, and I bet you everybody in here that knows Christ knows what I'm saying, when the Holy Spirit touches you, what happens? Fountains. <laughs> right? Have you experienced that? You go, why am I crying? Well, I can tell you why. The Spirit touched the water, and boom. Right? John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress. Remember what happened when Pilgrim finally came? I mean, he, he bawled, and he bawled, and he bawled, and he bawled. Why? Because when the Spirit touches water, right, then you are born again. Now, fascinatingly, you may know that in Hebrew, they've been baptizing for way before John the Baptist. And it's called a, a mikvah. Starts with an M, not surprisingly. <laughs> and a mikvah, they're very, you know, they're, the Jews are if nothing else but, but law keepers, right? You know what the law is for a mikvah? It's got to have 40 seahs of water. I mean, it's got to be down to the last, you know, a little, you know, that's it. That's, that's the deal. It's got to be there. Because it has everything to do with 40. Now, let your mind expand a little bit on this whole idea of mem, and you'll go, wow, Miriam is actually the name of Mary. We know that. Her name was Mary because it's translated into Greek, but Mary was a nice Jewish girl, and her name was not Mary. It was Miriam. It has two M's in it because she's all about the water, right? Moses, right? That was Miriam's brother, right? His name is, it's probably me. His name starts with a mem. In fact, they call him a fish. Well, did you ever think about how much Jesus hung out in the water? Like, uh -uh. 
He cleared the sea. Well, now what happened? 40 days of rain. You think there's any significance there? You, you think they went thirsty for 40 years for, you know, we're, we're just thinking about that. <laughs> Jesus went out and fasted for how long? Oh, wow. I mean, this stuff, it, 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 like, how, how could I not know? I mean, how could I have not known this stuff? Like, oh, my goodness, when you start putting together the dots, what, what happened in the desert, right? You know that Moses touched the rock, and what came? Jesus said, I'm the living rain, right? We got to have it. I mean, oh, my goodness. Like, God couldn't have better, but prepared a better day for this. Like, I could just, like, wow. But if you can touch water with the Spirit, you get fountains. You get, like, oh, my goodness. Now, if you go on this mem experience for a while, you, I, I think you'll have as much, much fun with it as I, as I do. Is you, you'll just begin to see all the different ways that Jesus was connected to water and fish. You know, it, it, this was no accident that he climbed the sea. It was no accident that the water was the judgment of the, of the Pharaoh's army. <laughs> you know, it was no accident that it was the judgment. I mean, uh, J- Jesus is the judge. I, you know, the water can get the job done. And, and, and so, you know, isn't it fascinating? That here sits this just treasure, rich, unbelievable treasure. And you know the only people teaching it? That I know of. I've never heard this. You know, I heard it. I went to Jewish learning spot after Jewish learning spot after Jewish learning spot. I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. Like, how did they miss this? Like, what are we doing here? You know, it's just like, oh, my goodness. And so, you may wonder, well, Robbie, what's the application of this? I mean, clearly. Well, if you go back to that word, right? Now, you may find it fascinating, I do, that the number one selling app in 2017 on your phone, yours and mine, is an app called Calm, C-A-L-M. It's a mindfulness app, and that's sort of a new age word to say to be in the present moment. So they're going to teach us how to be in the present moment here with this mindfulness app called Calm. Now, if you click this app, just like my wife listens to every night, you hear it? What do you hear? Still waters. Do you ever wonder why you love that sound? Do you ever love to just sit and watch a stream go down like, oh my goodness. Like, oh wow. The peace. Now, if I can get in his presence, I can be by that water. No wonder. That's you. <laughs> the rain in the, in the leaves. It's you. Oh, I get it. Why did, why did David say, you know, I'm thirstier than a deer? <laughs> He was thirsty for what? Now, if you get this app, next thing you're going to do 
is, is you got to breathe, right? And this is cool. So start breathing. Um, now you feel like Kung Fu Panther, okay? But uh, now, <laughs> again, these brilliant new agers, they have all this stuff figured out. You know why that sells so good? Because if you mix water with spirit, what's breath, right? I'm listening to water and I'm breathing. Well, guess what happens? In its own way, in the moment, in a moment, even if you've never heard the name of Jesus Christ in your life, you still have peace. It's built into the system. You see, all this was written into creation from the very beginning. The master's hand, unbelievable. Who do you think designed these letters? Who do you think did the whole deal? And when he wrote out the Torah, how did he? I mean, he, just all these numbers just all happened to, you know, oh my goodness. And, and the tens and the fourteens and the, all those numbers all are very, it's like the signature of a master. So there's something too going out into the woods and finding a nice stream and sitting down and breathing and asking the Holy Spirit to come and touch this water in you. If, if, if you want to get into the presence in the present time, you're looking for his face. You're, you're a humble servant. You're wanting to touch of the master with his hand and you need the blood of Christ. Because, you see, the gospel, the blood of Christ that covers the, the, this deal. You see, the accuser can't get through that. Because what was, he was beating the heck out of Adam and Eve. It's like, you know what you did. You're a bonehead. <laughs> you know, he's like, the accuser is boom, boom, boom. But Adam and Eve had no blood of Christ to come up underneath so that he had to shut up. Right? So when you, when you bring yourself under the, under the blood of Christ, under the full work of Christ, then the accuser can't get at you. Like the woman caught in adultery. Right? Where are your accusers? If you really get in the presence of God, then Jesus is standing there going, they got nothing on you, Robbie. They got nothing on you. They got nothing on you. And they don't. Because he's gone to build a new house for you in his mansion, which is a bet something else you can study at some point and really have some fun. So, Jesus, thank you for this um, picture, this glorious book that you wrote that we will plumb the depths of for eternity and not even begin to scratch the surface of. Thank you for the living water and the spirit that hovered over it. Um, Father, we know you sent that. And that there at Jesus' baptism, there in the real water, when he came up, that there you were. Your spirit and your voice said, this is my beloved son. Father, 
I just think about that song we sang about, I adore you, I just adore you. I pray that you would give us that heart for those who may not know what it means to be under the blood of the men, would come to know that, that they would feel confident to come into the present time and ask somebody that they think knows and that they would be faithful to share the gospel with them. I pray that you would send us forth with your blessing. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.